Hello, Northeast Christian Church, and welcome to our online services. Thank you for joining us today. If you miss any part of today's service and you want to catch it again, you can do so by checking us out on Apple Podcast, YouTube, or Spotify. We also encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date on everything we have going on here at the church. God bless and enjoy the rest of the service. Glad to be with you today, and I'm going to lead us as we continue in worship through what we give. Uh, as Pastor Paul said, this month begins Missions Month, where we uh, go beyond what we would normally give in a tithe and pledge to initiatives all around the world. And you can see things all along the back wall after service. I encourage you to check them out. We'll be handing out a booklet next week that outlines everything that your giving goes to. And we do this because the gospel is still the hope of the world. And Jesus is still worth giving your all to. And so we handed out these little bracelets. You might have gotten one this morning. If you didn't, you can grab one on the way out that say, All for Jesus. And we've handed these to you not as a fashion statement or so that you can be marked as a Christian, but so that you can have a reminder all throughout this month to be asking God, God, what would you have me give? What would you have me pledge at the end of this month? And on October 30th, the last Sunday of this month, every last Sunday in October, what we do is we take a missions pledge. So that doesn't mean you're giving money or giving a card that says, hey, I pledge this amount either every week or every month or what have you to say, I want to see the gospel of Jesus advanced around the world. And that goes to things like church planting, like you'll hear about today. It also get, goes to things like Project Rescue that rescues people out of trafficking, gives them vocational training so they never have to resort to that again or they're never dragged into that again, and sets women and children on their feet so that they have a future. That's what your giving does. And so I'm honored to be able to be a part of that. And I hope that you'll be praying with me to say, God, what do you want me to do? What would you have me and my house give so that this work can continue? That's why we do what we do. And I'd like to read a verse to you before we take our offering, or excuse me, give our offering today. It's from 3 John, and it's this tiny little book in the New Testament that talks about missionaries. And it says this about them in verse 6 through 8. You would do well to send them, the missionaries, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus, accepting nothing from those that they go to. Therefore, you ought to support these people that you might be fellow workers with the truth. That's what the scriptures say. You get to be a worker along with the missionary. You might not be the goer, but you might be the sender. John Piper, one of the greatest pastors, I think, of our generation, said there are three types of people when it comes to missions. Obedient goers, obedient senders, and disobedient. And I want to be obedient to God, even if I'm not able to go to myself, that I might be a fellow worker, like the scriptures say, for the truth. And so would you begin to pray, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to work that I might be a worker with the truth? Would you join me in prayer? And let's pray for our missionaries this morning as we pray for our offerings. As you give, you can give at these drop boxes on the way out. You can give by going to ne-cc.org give, or you can text the keyword N-E-C-C to the number 97,000, and you can give that way as well. But let's pray for our missionaries, and let's pray that God continues to move forward. God, this has been a tough couple of years for many people across the world. God, you've seen all the suffering, all the heartache, and I, I just pray, Lord, that you would shine through all of this and that you would help us be a part of sending, Lord, that we could see the world redeemed. Lord, you're able to do it. There's nothing you're not capable of. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the kind of people who are yielded to you in every way and that say, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, I pray that you'd put it into the hearts of your people that they would be the kind of people who say, whatever time, whatever place, whatever you want, God, I'll do it. I pray that we'd be those kind of people. And I lift up our missionaries as well, God, some of whom are alone and wondering, is anybody thinking about me? Does anybody care? Does anybody know I'm here? I pray for those who feel alone. I pray you'd help their marriages. I pray you'd help their children. I pray if they're single that you would help their loneliness. God, I pray that you would give them fruit and that you would store up for them treasures in heaven that nothing can destroy. In Christ's name, amen. amen.
Good morning. Uh, before I introduce our speaker, I want to talk about three, a uh, couple of things that happened. This past Thursday, we had uh, about maybe 50% of all the ministers in this half of Massachusetts. So pretty much from, from Lemonster over and down to Southie and everything in between, about half of those pastors, which turned out to be about 100, were sitting all through here and we had tables set out. And I'm like, we need to start doing this for, for us. We gotta, we gotta start doing this for us. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. I wanna say thank you publicly uh, for Daniel and Deepia that made that happen along with um, the staff, with Dina and Thomas and, and uh, Kevin and so many, so many others. Thank you so much for making that happen. The other thing that happened uh, was driving Miss Daisy. I took the ministry, Young at Heart, which I officially now am a part of, on a road trip. And we took that bus, and like Mr. Frizzle, uh, we loaded up and we went to a place called Maple, uh, uh, what? Parker Maple Barn. And they made us wait two hours before we could get in there. It was crazy. So we spent more money on maple products in their store than anyone should. But it was a great time around the table. And we have more events coming up as time goes by. And now that I'm a part of it, that budget's going to triple. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go around the world. <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, it was a good, good, good time, and uh, it was awesome. I also want to point out to you someone that we are honored to have with us here today. Well, we have uh, my predecessor, Pastor Dick and Mickey. We also today have somebody here with us, Ronald and Ambra Pettibone, who have joined us this morning. They're actually, if you could just stand just so people could see who you are. The reason why we're in this building is because... Because these, these people and their family were the ones that started in Lowell in a small white building on a side road, and they built the church down the road that we eventually moved from there into here. And uh, so we, we just say thank you for... For, you just, you never know the sacrifices that ministry requires of people. You just never will know. And so we're very grateful for you. They serve on the alumni board at Zion, at North Point Bible College, formerly Zion Bible College, Zion Bible Institute. And uh, we're grateful to have you here this morning. Hope we haven't freaked you out. I also want to point out my number, number one fan man, Terrence, who's right in the front row every week. I just want to say shout out. Much love, brother. Love you, man. And now it's, we always say that we don't have connections because you use connections. We have friends. They're many and they are mighty. And my whole life, I've just loved uh, making so many different friends. And the couple that is coming here to share with you, Kyle and Holly Truen, uh, we met through our connection to Calvary Christian Church. He was the pastor of Center Church for a season. And now they are preparing to take their family, who happen to be my two favorite missionary kids, Paisley and Mark, with them. And they will be going to do church work in the country of Italy. So they're leaving their culture. They're leaving their language. And they're going to do a work in that nation to help Jesus and his fame and his name be spread. And so I, uh, we actually have gone out, we're really friends. When I say like we're friends, we're really friends. Holly's mom is like my favorite human being. Um, and one time recently we went out to a, com a comedy show. He was like, hey, we're going out to a comedy show. We're like, oh, okay. And he's like, we got two tickets and we want you to join us, two extra tickets. And so we went and we laughed our heads off and uh, it was a great time. And so would you welcome my friend, our missionaries, extended staff, Kyle and Holly Truen, as they join us here this morning. We just so have to get a set of stairs up here, right? It just takes so long. Hold on, ready? One more time. Woo! <laughs> oh, thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, it's so good to be back here. We were here almost a year ago, and um, it's good to be back in this house. Um, to us, it's also hard for me to say Northeast Christian Church, because it, it's kind of still Lowell in my mind. 
um, as well. But like Pastor Paul said, we are Holly and Kyle Truern, and on the screen is a picture of our family. We have two kids, Paisley, age 12, and she's at PK Retreat this weekend and is very excited to be there. And then our son, Mark, he walked in the flag parade, but he's 10. And um, we are just so grateful um, to be on God's team and to be part of the family of God and to be used by him. And, and like Pastor Paul said, we've pastored for many years, pastored here in this area, but God has called us to be missionaries to the country of Italy. He's called us to plant a church in the city of Genoa, which is northwest Italy. Um, a little over half a million people live there. And um, Italy, for, for many people, every time we tell people that we're going to Italy, very often the response is, well, I want to go to Italy. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want to I go eat the food of Italy, and right. I want to go drink the coffee of Italy, and yes, so do we. <laughs> we. We want to do that. But Italy is more than delicious coffee, and it's more than delicious food, and it's more than beautiful pictures. Italy is a country full of people that need Jesus. And so as a country, less than 2% identify as evangelical Christian, and what that means is is that most Italians and most of the refugees and immigrants that have come into the country will go their entire life without ever coming face to face with someone that can tell them about Jesus. And when you think about your story, I know when I think about my story of coming to Christ, there are people that were part of it. Right? I had people that prayed for me, and I had people that told me about the Lord, and there were people that discipled me along the way. And so somebody People need somebody to tell them about Jesus, and so we believe that God has called us to be the somebody for the city of Genoa. And um, whenever we first kind of transitioned into this assignment to go to the country of Italy, we met a man by the name of Pastor Terry, and he, a little over 30 years ago, he went to the city of Rome, which is also in Italy, and he planted an international church there. And while he was there, he made friends with a man who was part of the church, and um, this man said to him, Pastor Terry, my family lives north of here, and we need an international church there. And, And he asked him, Pastor Terry, could you come to my city and plant a church there? And Pastor Terry said, well, no, I can't go to your city because God's called me to Rome. What city are you from? And he said, well, I'm from the city of Genoa. And so Pastor Terry said to him, well, let's start to pray now that God would call someone to go to Genoa to plant an international church. And that was over 30 years ago. And so for the last 30 years, Pastor Terry and this family, they've been praying that somebody would come to their would come to their community, would come to their place, and would plant a church. And when Pastor Terry told us that, Kyle and I, we kind of looked at each other, and (laughs) and, um, we said, um, we don't really feel like the answer to 30 years of prayer, right? But um, whenever we say yes to the Lord, right, all of us have a yes to give to God, and whenever we say yes to the Lord, we don't know what prayers are being answered. We don't know. And so each of us are responsible, and Kyle will talk a little bit more about about this, but each of us have a responsibility to ask God, God, what is it that you want with my life? And and what is it that you want to do with my obedience to you? How am I uniquely equipped and uniquely positioned? Where have you placed me? How can I make a difference for the kingdom of God? And so for us, our yes is taking us to Genoa, and we are honored to be part of your missionary staff. Truly, we're honored to be a part of this family and to go to to represent this congregation. So thank you so much for sending us. Thank you for praying for us. We have... um, We have a table in the back. We'd love for you to come chat with us. And we have prayer cards. And these are, um, these are for you to take and for you to, for you to put um, either in your Bible, or you can put them on your fridge, or you can put them by your nightstand, um, wherever you want to put it. But put it somewhere where you remember to pray for us and for our kids and for the work that God's called us to. Um, and so at this time, uh, Kyle's going to bring the word. So. Yes. Thank you, Holly. Is this one working? Is this one working? No? Okay, we'll just stick with the handheld. That's fine. 
Yeah, these are called prayer cards for the primary reason that their, their main focus and their main purpose is prayer. So really, we want you to take them, put them on your fridge, in your Bible, whichever one you open more. And whenever you see our family, remember to pray for us and for the country of Italy and for what God is doing there. We are so happy to be here today. You guys have some of the finest pastors that I know. Uh, Pastor Paul we lo- and, and Diana, we love you guys. It's a little bit intimidating to be uh, preaching with one of the, the finest communicators of, of the Word of God that, that I know sitting here, but... Uh, it's, a, it's an honor and a, and a privilege to be, to be here today. And if I lived in this, in this community, I think I would, I would want to come here so that I could hear Pastor Paul preach on the, on the regular. Mission support is great. <laughs> <laughs> if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 is our primary spot here today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we study it, as we read it, as we learn from it, we pray that it would speak to our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I thank you for what you're already doing here today, for what you've begun, what you continue to do, and what you're going to do. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of what you're doing in the here and now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Watching the, the parade of, of flags go through and, and, and seeing the, the pictures of the missionaries on the, on the stage and hearing about what a wonderful job this church is doing to, to reach the lost, it brings my heart great joy. But also when I think about the number of people out there that still have yet to hear the gospel, that still have yet to meet someone who can introduce them to Jesus, my heart is heavy. And I pray that each and every one of us, as we put on these these all for Jesus bracelets, that there's a little tug on on our hearts and in our spirits that says, Lord, help us to see. Help us to know, help us to care, and help us to do what you have called us to do to reach the lost around this world for Jesus. We sing, we sing the song that talks about, like, I can't believe how, how wonderful your love is, and you leave the 99 and you come and, and search out the one. And what many of us may not realize when we sing that song is that as we sit here in our churches, we are the 99. We, th- we hear that and we think, oh, I'm the one that you sought out. And God says, let's, let's be real about this, maybe. Friends, you and I are the 99 sitting here in the church. And if we don't care about the one that God cares about, we're missing so much of his heart. That's where sig- significance is found. That's where the importance of our lives are truly found is in introducing others to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message is Lose Yourself, Surrender to Jesus. There will come a day when your life on this earth ends. Either the Lord Jesus will return or you and I will die. And on that day, what will have mattered? I think that everyone would have wanted to have lived a life of significance And my goal today is to let the words of Jesus in Scripture help us to answer the question of how to live a significant life. Mark 8.35 says this, For whoever, this is Jesus talking, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I had a friend one time that I heard him say, significance is found not in what we achieve, but significance is found in surrender to the Lord. 
I love the way that Jesus does this. I love the way that the gospel and following Christ is so counterintuitive, right? It would seem like we achieve significance by, by what we accomplish, by, by making a name for ourselves. And yet, the narrative that we see in Scripture and the teaching that we receive from Jesus is the other way around. He says, you want to make a name for yourself, you'll be lost. But if you want to lose yourself, you will be found and saved. And what does surrender to the Lord mean? I heard my, my same friend say it like this. Obedience is good. We, obedience is saying yes to God when he speaks. But surrender is saying yes to God before he speaks. What would happen if you and I were the kind of people that said yes to God before the question was asked? If our heart and our attitude was so submitted to Jesus that we assumed the answer that says, Lord, you have my yes, what kind of miracles would we see lived out in our lives? What kind of difference could we make for the kingdom of heaven? Like Holly said, Europe is in need. For many years, people have gone to Europe in an attempt to quote-unquote, find themselves, right? The journey of self-discovery. And we have the call instead to lose ourselves, to lose yourself, to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. The need is great and the workers are few. And so God has called the Truern family to go and to plant an international church. An international church is one that does church in multiple languages with multiple ethnicities. We've got immigrants and refugees, global nomads, as well as secular Europeans that God has called us to go and to invite people from every nation into the family of God. And we're going because our answer in our heart was yes. Long before the opportunity came, we said, Lord, we want you to use us for whatever will and purpose that you can. And I pray that that's the heart and the attitude of each and every one of us here today. Whoever loses his life for the sake of Jesus and the gospels will find it. And I don't think Jesus is just talking about crisis moments here when he says this. Most disciples, in reality, are not, we're not faced with the deny or die, lose faith or lose life persecution points. No, we understand that that day may come, yes, but for most followers of the way of Jesus, losing your life for him looks a lot like daily surrender. An ongoing loss of self-governance in the acknowledgement that all we have and all we are belongs to Jesus. In Luke 14, Jesus says this. He says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You're like, wow, that seems a bit extreme, right? I, sometimes I wonder if the disciples like called Jesus aside every now and then. And we're like, man, you're a little intense here, Jesus. Like renounce all that you have. Like, can we just like, can we take this in baby steps or stages? Or is there like a, you know, a program that we can sign up for that gets us like a, you know, progressively surrendered? Or He's just like, no, lose it all. It's all, you know, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot, there's a cost that comes with following Jesus. Right? While salvation is not earned, it also costs us all that we have and all that we are. It costs a, a, den a denial of our self-governance, a denial of our right to rule our own lives. But what we gain in that denial, what we gain in that exchange is we gain Christ. We gain forgiveness. We gain eternity. We gain so much more than we give when we give all of ourselves. And when the disciples maybe called Jesus aside and said, hey man, this is a little extreme, the renounce all that you have or don't be my disciple thing. Jesus, I wonder if in the back of his mind if he knew. Like, yes, it is extreme. Because Jesus is extreme. He renounced all that he had in order to save us. He renounced the throne of heaven to, tr to trade it for a cross to bear our sin and to make a way. And if we're to follow him, we should not be surprised when he asks us to live the way that he does. There was a song we used to sing in church when I was a kid, and it went, yes, 
Lord, yes. Anybody know this one? To your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be... What kind of difference could our lives make if we said yes before the question was asked? The first miracle Jesus did in the Gospels was when he turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. And the instruction that his mom gave to the people that were there, right? What did she say? She said, whatever he says to you, do it. And miracles began to happen. You want to see miracles in your life? You want to see revival in Northeast Christian Church? You want to see the fantastic things that we see in Scripture happen in the here and now? Say yes to Jesus with the attitude of, Lord, whatever you say to me, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to watch the miracles that happen when we partner with Jesus on what he is doing. Say yes to Jesus. C.S. Lewis one of the great authors of the last ever <laughs> wrote an essay titled Three Kinds of Men. I would encourage you to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to sum it up. And to sum it up, the three types of men. Now, he says men. This, this is men and women, right? He's referring to mankind, general, so ladies, you're not off the hook here. Sorry. Three kinds of people. Number one, disobedient. Right? Those who are disobedient, pretty self-explanatory. These are those who live for themselves. If you're here today and you're, you're sitting on the throne of your own life, I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. There is a way that you were created for and a way that puts Christ on the throne of your life that leads to eternal life. And I would invite you today to move from disobedience into surrender to Jesus. There will be an opportunity for that at the end of this message. Type number two is those who are obedient. Those who attempt to follow the rules. And uh, C.S. Lewis in his brilliance likened obedience here to paying taxes. Nobody cheered when I said paying taxes. Why? Right? Because it's not that fun and we don't really want to. We do it faithfully, but we hope that there will be plenty left over for us to spend on ourselves, right? right? We do it because it's the right thing and because we don't want to go to jail and because we have to, but also we, you know, we, want, we want to do the right thing, but if we had the option not to, we probably wouldn't, right? If they're like, all right, sweet, new rule, taxes are optional. Who keeps writing those checks? Like, not me, not me. Right? But that's the attitude that we take towards God so very often is that we are obedient because, yeah, it's kind of the right thing to do and we don't like to fight with the conviction there in our heart, but, but really there's, there's this competing wills in our life. Like there's what I want to do and what God wants me to do and sometimes I do what I want to do and sometimes I do what God wants me to do and, and hopefully I get it more this way than that way and hopefully that'll be enough, but I, man, there's a better way than that. And that way is the third way. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. The third type of person is those, those who are surrendered to Jesus. Someone who has surrendered to Jesus understands that to live is Christ and to die is gain, like Paul wrote in, in the book of Philippians. These people, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, these people have got rid of the tiresome business of adjusting the rival claims of self and God by the simple expedient of rejecting the claims of self altogether. The old egoist will has been turned round, reconditioned, and made into a new thing. The will of Christ no longer limits theirs because it is theirs. All their time in belonging to him belongs also to them, for they are his. What a great way of putting that. And that seems like just a, such a simpler way to live, doesn't it? Rather than being in constant conflict over my will versus God's will in this daily wrestling match of the wills, if we surrender and live in that peace that comes with saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in me.
I wonder if there's anyone here today who's tired of paying the tax of obedience and trying to live on what's left over. Maybe, friend, this today is your moment of surrender. And I want to paint to you, paint for you today a picture of what surrender looks like. All right, let's look at, at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Pause. Hold on. What did we just read? Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. In our natural mind, those two things don't go together. Right? We think, man, extreme poverty would come with also a poverty of joy. And, and so very often we try to accumulate joy by accumulating more stuff. But anybody ever met somebody that had an abundance of stuff and a poverty of joy? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work, does it? You can't buy joy. But yet these people in, in 2 Corinthians, the, the, these were real people, right? From the church of Macedonia. Paul is saying, look at these people that were the example here to the church of Corinth. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed into a wealth of generosity. Let's keep going. This is so cool. I love this story. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Man, as missionaries, if we had churches like this church in Macedonia, we'd already be in Italy, man. They would be calling us saying, can we help you go? How cool would that be? begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, here's the, here's the ticket right here, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Man, if we're going to be great at stuff, let's be great at these things. Faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, love. Excel in this act of grace also. A surrendered life. It all starts with they submitted themselves first to the will of God. Right? We have that surrender to Jesus, and then it puts everything in perspective. And we might even have an abundance of poverty, but we can still have an abundance of joy. And those two things can overflow into not an attitude that says, bless me, bless me, get more, get more. But no, it says, generosity. I see the need, and I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to meet it. A surrendered life is one of generosity, where surrender leads us to give because of love, not because of law. Matthew 9, 36, 38 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Friend, friends, pray with me that God will raise up laborers to go into the harvest field. Local, global, neighborhood, worldwide, there are people that need Jesus. And the question before us today is not, are you called to missions? Which you may very well be. God does call some of us to go to a different land, a different culture, a different place, a different language, and proclaim the gospel. But he may be calling you to send, but he may also be calling you to your neighbor, your family, your friend, your coworker, your classmate. And when we pray earnestly to the Lord 
to send out laborers into his harvest. Do not be surprised when he uses you to answer that prayer. Anybody ever prayed a prayer that God had you be part of the answer to? I love it when he does that. Also, it's like sometimes a little bit like, oh, I kind of meant like somebody else, but okay, God. Like, <laughs> God sends somebody else into the harvest field. No, let's not pray that. Let's, let's pray earnestly, Lord, send out laborers. God, reach the lost and let it begin with me. Send out laborers. Mankind is, is God's method. Ian e. Bounds wrote that the church is constantly looking for better methods, but God, meanwhile, is looking for better people. What the world needs is not more machinery or better new organizations or novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on machinery, but on mankind. He does not anoint plans, but people. It's not great talents or great learning or even great preachers that, God's need, that God needs, but men and women great in holiness great in faith, great in love, great in faithfulness, great for God, people always preaching by holy sermons in the pulpit and holy lives out of it. These men and women can mold a generation for God. And I would add this quote, that missions at the end of the day is all about people. Project, projects are significant, places are strategic, but it's people that are sent, friends, and it's people that are saved. The life surrender to Jesus is one marked by a compassionate desire to seek and save the lost praying for and participating in missions. The surrendered life has no problem laying up treasure in heaven, like it says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, where is your treasure? That's where your heart is. I heard somebody say one time, treasure doesn't follow heart, heart follows treasure. You're like, what? Think about it this way. Buy a whole bunch of stock in one company and then see how much you pay attention to how well that ticker does for that company. Right? Your heart is in it. You're invested in it because you have invested your treasure in it. Invest your treasure. I invite you into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not just talking about money. Right? It includes money. I know some of us, like, we, we kind of, like, you know, shut off a little bit. Be like, oh, man, a preacher talking about money again. Here we go. But it's much, much bigger than your money. It's your heart. Your treasure might include your time serving in the local church. Your treasure might include your heart making room in your heart for another friend, making room in your schedule for somebody that needs someone to walk with them on the way of Jesus. Your time, your treasure, your effort, your prayer. The surrendered life has no problem laying up treasure in heaven because that person understands this, that it all belongs to Jesus already. Right? When Pastor Paul talks about what would God have you to give as a faith promise this month, this is something that we're, we're beginning to pray, with, uh, pray about now and, and focus on for the month of October. And what if we went into it saying, God, all that I have, all that I am, it's already yours. So what would you have me to give by faith? Again, that takes the, takes the wrestling out of it. It's not do I want to, but God, what would you have me to? It all belongs to Jesus. I heard a story of a missionary named Gladys Aylward. She felt God call her to China, but she failed out of missionary training school because she was a bad student. And here she was, failed out of missionary training school, and she had, at the time, half pennies were part of the currency, and she, said, she had three and a half cents. And she took those three and a half cents and she laid them on her Bible and she prayed a prayer that, said, that went this way. It said, God, here is my Bible. Here is all the money that I have. And here is me. Find some way to use me, God. 
How many of us would be willing to pray, God, here's all that I am, all that I have. Can you just find some way to use me? From that prayer, from that moment began a lifetime of sacrifice and suffering. Significance brought about through surrender. A surrendered life is one that holds nothing back, friends. Alexander Duff, another missionary to India in the late 1800s, was in his old age and returned to Scotland. And he's standing before the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church making an appeal for new missionaries to go to India. And there was no response. So he continued, and while pleading with the assembly, he suffered a heart attack on stage and collapsed. He's carried off the platform where a doctor begins to examine him, and and Pastor Duff opens his eyes and says, where am I? You've had a heart attack, sir, Lie, lie still. But I haven't finished my appeal. I haven't finished. Take me back. I must finish, and with help, he mounts the steps back to the pulpit. This frail old man stands before the assembly and he says, when Queen Queen Victoria calls for volunteers, hundreds of young men respond. But when King Jesus calls, no one goes. Silence throughout the assembly. Is it true then, he asked, that the mothers and fathers of Scotland have no more sons to give for India? Still no response, and he said, very well then, aged though I am, I'll go back. I can lie down by the banks of the Ganges River and I can die, and thereby I can let the people of India know that there was one man in Scotland who loved them enough to give his life for them. And at this, all throughout the assembly, one by one, young men begin to stand up and say, I will go, I will go, I will go, send me, I will go. And I wonder if the question was posed before us today, would we hold back our sons and daughters and say, Lord, send somebody else's sons and daughters to the mission field. I said goodbye to my grandma and grandpa, who I love so very much. And when I, when I saw them last month, my grandma, I, she's, she's just straightforward. She doesn't hold anything. I mean, she just like cuts straight to it. She's not like a you know, roundabout kind of person. And so my grandma, as I'm saying goodbye, I'm saying, Grandma, thank you for your, your godly heritage and, and the example that you've lived before me. And this might be the last time that I see you here before we get back. And she says, well, we're getting old, Kyle. We might not be here when you get back in a few years. And I'm like, well, I wasn't going to say that out loud, Grandma, but... Like, not, you know, so we're, we're you know, smiling through tears. knowing that it may be the last time that I see my grandparents in this life. And my grandma, she said to me, we're happy to give you to God. We did that a long, long time ago, Kyle. My grandpa was my first pastor when I was a baby dedicated to the Lord. And she says, I remember when we dedicated you to God as a baby. And we prayed that something like this would be in your future. We aren't sad that you're going because it's an answer to prayer. So I hugged them, thanked them for the example of godliness they've been to me, and said, whichever side of heaven we see you on next, with both a smile and a tear. A surrendered life is one that says, I'll go and die, understanding that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like Pastor, Pastor Holly, I've, I haven't called you Pastor Holly in a while. As, as Pastor Holly said, we have friends that have been praying for a very long time that what God is sending us to do would happen. People have asked us, why not just stay in America and pastor where you know the language and culture? Because we're not called, friends, as followers of Christ to take the path of least resistance. We're called to go into all the nations, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everyone, everywhere. So once again, Luke 14, says, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be 
my disciple. And I believe that the Lord would challenge us to begin this missions month with looking at this slogan, all for Jesus. It's, it's here, it's there, it's on the bracelets, and, and asking, are we really all for Jesus? Or are we some for Jesus and most for me? Or are we most for Jesus and some for me? Are you willing to surrender your life to make much of God among the unsaved people of the world? Are you willing to say yes before the question is asked? If he were to call you to an uncertain future, would you go? Your daily yes might take you across the street, across town, or across the world. Will you renounce your personal preferences for the sake of the gospel? Jesus wants all that you have, all that you are, not just 10%. Jesus wants your daily devotion, not just Sundays and holidays, right? We can all stop, act like we're doing God a favor by showing up to church on Sunday mornings and filling a spot in the pew, right? Can we agree to do that? Awesome. Cool. Jesus wants your entire mind, even your hopes, dreams, and insecurities. Jesus wants all of your words, not just the songs. Jesus wants all of your love. Jesus wants all of your heart. Jesus wants your total and complete, unconditional surrender. What are the corners of your soul that you still need to surrender to the Lord? I believe the question before us today is what do we need to announce today in order to be disciples of Jesus? Are there any here today who would gladly say to Jesus, Lord, if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Christ's sake and the Gospels will find it. I invite you today to live a life fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Do that, and one day when you arrive at the door to heaven, you and I will have lived a life that mattered. What does your surrender, your yes, look like today? Pastor Paul, will you come and lead us in a time of response and prayer? worship team to you. Thank you for the iPad. I feel like I have two things God put in my heart as we close here. Uh, what What a powerful truth of the Macedonian church. I know so many people who have so little joy and so much more than most of the people in the world who live on a starvation diet with a dirt floor, with a grass roof. And it's almost like we have to choose joy. There's a verse, um, reads like this, and it's in Roman 10. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. How many of you feel blessed to be a follower of Jesus? You're online, you're in here, and you're in. Well, there was a time where you were nobody. And someone would say, how do you feel blessed being Jewish? And it would be, l'chaim. So you're nobody in the eyes of the first group. And that kind of attitude can settle in to any group God chooses. We weren't chosen because we were a blessing. We've been blessed because God chose us. And he says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Listen to this, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. The blessings that you have in your life are yours because God put them on you. Not because you're special, not because you're gifted, because God is good. And then he says this, listen to this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We love quoting that verse. If you've been in the church or you've grown up in the Christian church or, or the Catholic church and you've, you've heard that verse, those who call on the name of the Lord be saved. What a great God that we have that doesn't matter what you've done or what you've become, you can call on him and he runs into the rescue and, and he can save the day. Not because we're good, but because he's good. 
But then he throws a question out to us. Whether you're online, you're here, you're in the lobby. He throws this question. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? I mean, if they don't hear about Jesus, if your coworker doesn't hear about, doesn't know who Jesus is, if the people in Italy don't know or in India don't know, how are they, how are they ever going to call on the good God that we know? How are they going to do it if, if they don't believe in him? And how are they believing in him in whom they have not heard of? How are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? This thing called missions is the reason why we're here. Listen, friends, this isn't a joke. Heaven is real. Hell is real. This isn't just that we live happily ever after. This life is not the real life. There is coming a day where we will stand before God and we will give an account of every penny we had and every passion we pursued. And if we buried our talents, kept our talents or shared it, either we were obedient goers or obedient senders or just plain disobedient. But I will stand before God and God will say, what will you do with the mind I gave you? What did you do with the money I gave you? What did you do with the energy I gave you? What did you do with the passion, Paul? I put it in your hands and I gave you everything you needed. David said to Solomon, all things are in place to build the temple. Now be a man and do it. You have everything you need to do what God's calling to do. You need to be a man and you need to be a woman of God and stop making excuses and stop making pledges to God and begin making moves. How then will they call on them if they haven't been sent? We're the senders. And then he goes on and he gives this really nice word actually to the two of you and he says this. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I felt like God put something sandwiched between this for the second half of what I'm gonna share with the church and share it to you. What people don't know about you, Kyle, is the journey that you went through to bring you to here before when your mom was dying of brain cancer and then she was healed and she went into remission and it resurfaced. And in the middle of that, you packed your family and moved to Arizona with an uncertainty. You see, that wasn't you running away, Kyle. That was you saying yes before God asked the question. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You said yes before the question. And it brought you to this moment. That test brought you to this moment. You see, it really isn't magical. The Bible says this, be strong and of good courage. Don't be terrified and don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord is with you wherever you go. See, some of you have destination disease. You think everything will fall into place if you find the right man or woman. Everything will fall into place if you get your bills taken care of. Everything will happen. And God's looking at you and saying, why don't you just take a stand for me where you're at? and take your eyes off of everybody else around you and stop worrying about them and start worrying about you and start worrying about me. Because he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed what has heard, what we, they have heard from us. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I ask, have you not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the, of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand first Moses? Say, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation with a foolish nation, and I will make you angry. Then I say, Isaiah said, is so bold as to say, I have found, I've been found by those who did not seek me and I've shown myself to those who did not ask. There's a moment that comes in our life where we stop saying yes, or we never start saying yes, where God says, if you won't do it, I'll take somebody else. If you won't be an obedient goer or an obedient sender, I will choose somebody else. The father, when his prodigal son was before him and his 
disgruntled son was still near him. He said to his father, he says, I've been here obedient all my life and doing stuff and you didn't provide this and you didn't provide that. And you, you threw a party for him. You never threw a party for me. And he turns to his son, he said, my son, you've been with me all this time. All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. See, but the truth is, is that all that you have is his. I think the time's come for us to be obedient goers, obedient senders. I say this with all love in my heart for you as a pastor, but if you're in this church and you're measuring things with money and you're saying, I can't believe all this pastor wants is my money, may your riches perish with you. Listen to me, may your riches perish with you because it means that you missed the whole point of what this was about. This is about eternity. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Jesus raised from the dead. He forgave me. He forgave my sin. He forgave your sin. And he can do so much through a life that is devoted to him that gives the yes before he gives the question. Your move, your mouth, your means, your hands, your feet, your heart. You see, the one thing that God will not do is violate your free will. He will judge you, but he will not violate your free will. I'm gonna ask the worship team to begin to play. Because I believe with all of my heart, based off of some of the things that were said here from this pulpit through Kyle, some of the things that were said through God's word here and through my mouth, some of you need a front end alignment in your life with the yes. You're not all broken and messed up, but there's some things that have been out of alignment and I can't help you. The missionaries can't help you. No book or Bible study can help you. This thing is vertical. To be able to say, God, yes, here's my yes. I don't know what you have for me in 2023. I don't know what you have for me. This year, this, this past three months, I've buried three people dear to me, dear. Listen, I'm not exaggerating when I say they have been dear to me. And I'm more aware than ever before that my days are numbered. It's time for me, it's time for you, it's time for us to say, God, whatever you want, here's three and a half cents in a Bible, and here's me, do with it what you want. Who has the courage to walk up here and kneel in a space and begin to offer yourself to God? Because I'm gonna do the first. I pray like that old preacher, if nobody else goes, then I'll go back and die in the bank of the Ganges. But God, listen, you are capable of so much more. You are capable of so much more. It's time that we moved from saying, yes, Lord, but first let me, or yes, Lord, provided that. No, it's time to have the yes before so that God can change the world as senders and goers. As the worship team plays, I'm gonna encourage you to come forward and find a space. Seek the face of God. When you feel released, you can quietly make your way out. You are welcome to sit in the seat, but I think sometimes if I'm not physically able to make a physical move for God, how am I ever gonna make a move when I leave this building? Just, there's something to it. I have no ego to bruise here if three people show up here. God can do more with three complete yeses. But some of you, you have handicaps. That doesn't mean that you get up, you have bad knees. That doesn't mean that you need to do it. But I'm calling you to say yes. There's one. Who's two? Is there two? Who's gonna be the second? There's two. Where's three? There's three. There's four. I'm done counting. Because what has to happen here has to happen vertically. Let's do business with God. When the music fades and all is
says, indeed, I will count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and will count them as garbage in order that I may gain Christ. And as the book of Deuteronomy says, to write the word on your forehead, to write it on your, your house posts, 
to write it in places that remind you, I inscribed Philippians 3.8 on my arm to remind me always that my life is for God. It's not for me. It's not for my pleasure. It is for the purposes of God. And it is given to Him. It is an offering to Him. And that is the call not of a pastor. That's not the call of a missionary. That is the call of every believer in Christ Jesus, that everything you would gain should be counted as garbage, as rubbish, in order that you could give your life to Jesus in some way and say, Jesus, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know what you want me to say, but I give it all to you. It's yours. And to give him the unconditional affirmative, to give him the absolute yes. And so I want you to stand whether you're here at the altar, whether you're back there. And I want you to pray that prayer with me. And I want you to say, Jesus, I'm yours. If you mean it. And so, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. And we ask that no money, no pride, no insecurities, God, nothing in all creation would get in our way because we give ourselves to you. We say we are yours, Jesus. Our steps are yours to direct. Our path is yours to lay. Our dreams are, are yours to fulfill. And I pray, God, that our suffering would be your suffering so that your life and resurrection would be ours. We give ourselves to you, God, and ask that you would direct our steps. We yield ourselves to you. In the name of Christ Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. You guys can continue to worship, or you may go. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you missed any part of this sermon or you want to catch it again, you can do so by going to Apple Podcast, YouTube, or Spotify. And I also encourage you to go to lolag.org or ne-cc.org if you want to stay up to date on everything we have going on. God bless, and we'll see you next week.